Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another episode of the Middle West Podcast. I'm your host, Thaqib Musa, and I'm joined today by a very special guest in the hot seat, Brother uh, Abdurrahman Musa. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I say hot seat, even though it's not a high pressure <laughs> podcast, it's just all the sunlight is coming out that seat, so I had to close the curtains. Um, but uh, Abdurrahman Musa is a uh, current Birmingham resident, so. Uh, he's in the fourth holiest city in the world. Um, and uh, he started off with a software engineering degree and then went on to found uh, ipersonalenrichment.com. Uh, he's uh, he's kind of known in speaking circles around the country uh, for personal development, self-development, uh, NLP, getting the most out of yourself, those types of um, kind of as, as an expert in that field. Um, and as a kind of a long-time member uh, slash held various positions in uh, in MAB, Muslim Association of Britain, um, as well as various activist circles. Uh, we wanted to get you on, get a little bit of your background um, and, you know, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, well, well, we'll see where it takes us. But, okay, you know, sounds, good. A, sounds good. There's certain crises that happened recently on Muslim Twitter that um, I know you had interesting views on. Um, <laughs> so maybe we'll get to that. Uh, right. So how did you, um, I think, up until I think you were in you were in Glasgow. I grew um, up in Glasgow, yeah. Yeah, and then you you followed kind of a more traditional trajectory of going into software engineering, electronic and software engineering. Okay. Uh, only because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, and uh, to be honest with you, um, psychology always interested me, but in terms of like wanting to find out why people do what they do, how they motivate themselves, how to stop people, how you know how to lead, how to manage, etc. But um, what was actually available in the literature of psychology was very limited. And then there was a whole Freudian and all of that mess that comes with that in the philosophy um, that's quite antithesis to, to, to yeah. thinking Islam. <clears throat> so based upon that, I just did electronic and software engineering. But then whilst I was doing that, that's when I found... Um, private studies that taught um first of all hypnosis hypnotherapy and then and, and these were and i'm assuming these weren't islamic sources because i think no around, no the, no nothing nothing like that um, i think up until very recently muslims weren't really talking about mental health or anything. no no uh, i mean you had psychologists and psychiatrists etc but i mean i've been doing this since 2001 um so 18 17 18 years um now more people are doing it um but unfortunately, anyway, we'll talk about the unfortunate layer. But but yeah, so it's been you know a good eighteen or so years um, of doing this, and then for some reason, I mean, alhamdulillah, I was able to get like placement in the newspaper, etc., etc., editorials. Then afterwards, I started to get, um, I started to get Muslim clients, and I had no idea why. Like it just happened, I don't know, word of mouth or something, uh, and that's when I decided to study Sharia because I just felt uncomfortable. Uh, okay, so you you're you're in uni. This is like late nineties. Um, yeah, and I think I went ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. Okay, and then uh, and Strathclyde then Clyde University. So so that's in and and you started the electronic software engineering degree, yeah, yeah. and then halfway through that, you go kind of this is not for me. And then with one year to go, I took a gap year out, and then started studying these other things, and then said to my dad, "Look, I'm not going back." I had a couple of back I, and forth. I, I bet that was a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, a bit of back and forth. And um, the one thing that, that he says 
you know, really kind of allowed him to let go and was I I I read a lot. So he thought, look, if he reads, then he's gonna, you know, he'll find this path. Basically, he'll make his own way. Um, so it wasn't kind of a I don't know what I'm doing and just jump. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I want to loaf for the rest of my life, uh, kind of a thing. No, not at all. No, no I don't like that at all. <laughs> I can't loaf to save my life. Okay, and um, so you you kind of make this big decision and this big change, and now you're studying. What, what exactly is it that you kind of was it a formal structural program that you were studying or no no um, so th- these are private courses that you do and I started off with hypnosis and NLP etc but since then anything that seems remotely interesting or useful whether it's in anything to do with the mind anything to do with the body in terms of like um, its movement its balance anything to do with energy which some people don't believe exists you're a doctor. Um, Maybe you don't. Um, anything to do with marketing? I'm, I'm an engineer. But oh, you're an engineer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, was yeah. I did electrical, so very similar to oh, your okay, background. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, but again, maybe I believe a different type of energy. Yeah. You, no, I'm not talking about magnetic. There's a, there's a, so this comes into like, there's a lot of, um, I guess a lot of people view this as a type of voodoo or something. Um, and there's a, it gets a lot of negative press. I just finished a book called Educated, which is written mm-hmm. by... This Mormon who wasn't allowed to go to school and that kind of thing. And and she made a big deal of talking about how kind of her mom used to treat people using energy and, and that kind of thing. So is it so you did these certifications and then what exactly is it that that is uh, when, when you talk about like energy? Is that are you trying to use it to heal people or find positive? No, no. Uh, I mean, there's different things, but specifically with energy is to heal people. You could use it to harm people as well. It's like using electricity. You could use it for this. You could use it for that. Um, but for me, it's a, it, my, my whole thing is if there's a something about human behavior that's unique and that's exotic, then I would like to be one of the first people to, to learn about it. And the reason for that is because there's always something you can do with it or it's going to be done against you. I mean, a lot of people say manipulation is unethical. How are you learning about how to do this and that? Well, you know, what if I told you you could be manipulated without even knowing you were manipulated? Yeah. You know, well, a, what, a lot of a lot of advertising is effectively well, straight that, up. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of modern psychology came through direct marketing. I mean, marketing started then; psychology came afterwards. Uh, that, that's the timeline. So it was actually about how to make money from this, and then it was like, oh, maybe we can help people. Um, but obviously, psychology and psychotherapy, etc., is more pathological. They're looking a problem has to happen, and then you have to fix it. It's not. And the whole Western medicine is like that, whereas the more Eastern or the, the older medicines are more holistic. They're talking, about, you know, you, you know, in Japan, for example, or in China, you go to a doctor to stay healthy. You don't go to a doctor once you're ill. It's, it's a different thing. And, and that's the thing of, you know, prevention better than cure, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's holistic. So one of the things that I, you know, I, 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 it, I mean, people ask me questions because they don't quite seem to understand the difference between not being specialized and between aiming to be a polymath or aiming to have as much under your belt. So, you know, one of the things that people say is, you know, know a little bit about everything. That's cool. But what I would say is go further than that and be really good at least three or four things. So be really good at really, really, really good at three or four things. Once you've got that down, then you're actually able to bridge and bring things in from. So if you found someone who studied biology 
and electronic engineering, that would be amazing because they can bring things from biology that no electronic engineer would ever have thought about because it's full of systems. I mean, nature is full of systems. And the opposite is true where, you know, they could bring something from electronics into biology. That's how these breakthroughs are made. Um, and so that's why a lot of people say, well, why did you study Sharia? Well, because I'm studying, you know, the operating system, so to speak, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the final one, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to run based upon. So what's the point of understanding the brain and the body, etc., if we don't understand where we're supposed to be going? There, there's so many variables and so many factors that, you know, if you were to do a tests, you know, you wouldn't even know how to do it. Do you understand? Like, you'd be testing, like, two million variables over how many people, over how long, you know, and then how would you even, you know, read and understand that data? So you don't have to do that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent you the thing. You know, if you deviate from the default and from that which is good, then you can have an answer. Do you understand? Okay. You've got something to benchmark against. So you kind of, you started with this with, with your kind of individual certifications and were you were you doing like were you making money from this at the time like were you working at the same time to start time? with no to start with like I was uh, I was doing uh, call center work just to fund okay just to just fund to your fund studies everything. as yeah. you as you kind of continue and then once that. I got confident enough and, and done enough about two or three years worth then I started working with people and um, and that's and and initially your clientele was mostly non-Muslims yeah, mostly yeah, yeah anyone that would come. Okay, and and then you go down that, and I think I think was, uh, one of your I was reading one of your pages and and kind of prep for this, and one of the things you mentioned was that there was a lot of controversy around it. So a lot of people would say, um, like you need to you you need to be guided or you need to have Sharia behind this, and kind of you're going into uncharted territory that you know you're going where no Muslim has gone before. Yeah, well, in many respects, yes, but also no. Um... I think the Ummah has become very blinkered, most definitely. Um, just much like most of life, actually. Most of the people in this world are very blinkered, very specialized in one thing. They don't see anything else. You know, you get an accountant, comes back home, and he expects his wife and his children to fit into the columns of his spreadsheet. Um, so that's that's just the norm. But with us, we were, we, you know, due to the whole colonialist um, power, we were... We, we we were just as they cut our, our countries up and split them up. They also did that with our psychology and with our culture, with our history, etc. So you find someone says, "Oh, that's haram," and they have no idea what they're talking about because I mean, hypnosis, hypnosis, haram. Hypnosis is haram, and it doesn't exist. How can something that doesn't exist be haram? You know, like khalas, it doesn't exist. Then you don't waste your time with me. It doesn't exist. Can't exist, not exist, and be haram at the same time. But you know, they'll say, "Oh." Hypnosis is losing control of the mind, or it's like being under a drug, etc. So like being intoxicated, being so intoxicated, right? Yeah. So, you know, but that's because they haven't bridged between two fields. They don't understand. Actually, hypnosis is closer to sleep, and even then, you don't fall asleep uh, such. So, and people come to, to be hypnotized to gain control. They've already, they've already not got control, and you're giving them control thereafter. Uh, and it's just communication and influence. So. Unless you know what it is that you actually, because the, 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 in in Asul Fiqh, the Fuqaha will say that, you know, your ruling about a thing comes from your uh, conceptualization of yeah. that thing. Faraah and tasawwur. Yeah. yeah. Right. So your tasawwur, your you how you perceive and how you how you define a thing, then you know you, you, someone could look at a TV and say, oh, it's got jinn in there, it's haram, right? Someone else can say, no, it's, that's not what it is at all. 
is a whole different ballgame. So based upon what you think something is, you're going to give a, a you know, you're, you're ruling yeah. upon it. And, and if they, well, if, if the scholars don't understand or if the scholars talking about hypnosis are people who have never done hypnosis or understood it or studied psychology, yeah, yeah. then they're, they're going to... No, no, they're going to give a completely different, yeah, yeah. They, they won't know what they're saying. I mean, one of my teachers, and this guy's a genius, like a proper genius. I mean, his PhD in Osul is unmatched almost. He did the work of like four or five people in one go, and he studied the whole sixth generation. Basically, when Osul became its 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 peak and and, and its, its 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 best, um, and he came to me and said, "Look, I need I need you to help me with the maths of a of a inheritance issue." Do you understand? So. Yeah. That's completely different to, for example, with the Ottomans. If you wanted a good job, you couldn't just be a Sharia graduate, even if you had a master's or a PhD. That you know that level, you'd have to also be a um, optometrist or 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 a um, the stars was that astronomy, yeah. astronomist, a mathematician, a physician, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They would be they would expect you to be a polymath because. And all of the scholars before would travel in order to get knowledge. But but all of them had views on like such a wide range of subjects. Yeah, as because well, you so. have to. Yeah. You know, when I was studying um, Sharia, one of the people that were on the course was on the course. It was a seventeen-year-old. I was just like, that's not right. You know, you need to you need to get out there. You need to get lost. You need to get married. You need to start up a business. You need to do some work. You need to get some life experience, and then afterwards, because you're going to graduate with nothing. Uh, no life experience to run this software from, and you're just gonna you you know you're gonna misguide people because you have no idea. This is theoretic, but how do you apply it? And and that's why we get this kind of mismatch between Sharia graduates who are very idealistic and yeah um, yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of. But you went to Egypt to study. No, that I was about to say actually no. I I completely I wanted to study Sharia for a long time, but I didn't want to go abroad. Okay. And the reason for that is I saw a lot of people that went abroad, they'd come back and for about three or five years, they're completely time lag. If we're going to talk engineering, they're completely like as if like just come, especially now. I mean, a day now is like a thousand years. Things are really progressing so quickly. So I always abstained from that. And then um, the opportunity arose where Chateau Chino in uh, France, they opened up a branch in Birmingham. Okay. It came to me. So I was actually in the first year of... The, uh, and that was your move from Glasgow to Birmingham? Or no, no, no. You'd no, already, you'd already yeah, yeah. Okay. So you'd already made Hijra? I'd already made Hijra to the promised land, yes. Okay. Um, and is, is it still open? Uh, this It's still open. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's still open, um, as far as I know. Uh, it's been running for a few years now, almost 10, thereabouts. Okay, so you were able to do it in... You were able to basically do Sharia studies without leaving. Yeah, I did my bachelor's um, and I did my master's um, a couple of years after that. Uh I, had, I didn't know that they started the master, so I went. I went in the second batch of people who did that, basically not not the first. Okay. But yeah, the masters was in uh, Usul and uh, and uh, fiqh, but we studied like you know finance, Islamic finance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was very, very broad. Uh, very, I mean, Islamic finance is just another level of complicated. Uh, but again, it, it the way I look at it is it, I, from a psychological perspective, there are some things that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala limits you with and there's some things that he opens you, the door for you and if if you follow that it's good for your psychology and if you don't it's bad and <clears throat> i think that insight only comes because if you can look at something with more than one lens you can tie things up do you understand whereas if you only see things from one perspective you make a decision that cannot be wise 
it can't be wise, you know. Uh, or if it is, it's due to a fluke. It's just out of luck or, you know, or something. So today what they do to counteract that is that, and this is a good thing regardless, um, they'll have a committee. So they'll have a doctor in the committee, they'll have a Sharia expert, they'll have a finance expert, etc., etc. And so that way everyone can come from their own perspective. Yeah, I mean, interdisciplinarism is kind of the the way of the future, even in engineering. Yeah, teams, I think so. Yeah, I think so. They want people to come from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you do your master? Like, did you do your Sharia studies part time, full time? Because I, I full time. No, they don't do part time. Okay. You and and do how, do you, tr- how do you manage that with kind of life report? Because this is one of the reasons why you bite I, the bu- you bite the bullet. Because you, one of the things you mentioned about. about I think this is the reason why so many people try to study Sharia early on. At 17, 18, you have the chance to kind of... I'd say the opposite. No, no, I'd say the opposite. Uh, well, my son, for example, I would actually expect him to... I wouldn't want him to go to uni straight away. Um, if he even chooses to go to uni, I'm not really bothered whether he does or not. As long as he gets an education and so long as he's able to think for himself and not be a cog in <clears throat> someone else's industrial you know, uh, benefit... So uh, but I don't care about that. But but regardless, what I'm saying is that um, I would say go work, you know, travel, uh, get to taste life and 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 see perspectives of of of, of from many people in different flavors and different colors, etc. Um, Allah says that we create you different tribes so that you may know one another. That's very very important. I don't. I think a lot of that you know, a lot of us miss that um, opportunity. Then afterwards, you know, as as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, go back to uni. You're probably going to go sharper, probably going to be able to concentrate more. You're going to be able to know what you really want. Uh, And all the parents out there, I'm a parent as well, but I know all the parents out there listening to this thinking, oh my gosh, what's he saying? Everyone's having a heart attack (laughs) because um, I I think it's that very, and and I don't know if this is more so in the Muslim community than other communities. It's in them all, by the way. You have a very kind of, rigid structure so you finish high school yeah, you go straight yeah. to uni but the thing is the world is changing now you, you, you know the world is, I mean how many people graduate and they don't have a, a job yeah. and how many people graduate and go into completely different discipline and then need a second or a conversion degree or anything like that it's, it's, it's just too many and now with the with the industrialization of of knowledge you see before knowledge was sought for itself education was sought out for itself so if you wanted to go to oxford and cambridge you went because you wanted to learn and that was the end of story you didn't go to get a job you would get the job afterwards as a thing but that was it and then industry came along so originally originally the customer for knowledge was knowledge itself it was a prestige thing but is it is it and again this is my this is my impression of it but it could be wrong is that knowledge was the was the realm of the, the of rich. the rich? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. because I mean, this is in the West. Yeah. yeah, but in the East and the West, knowledge was something that you sought for itself. Yeah, but then what happened was, as the industrial revolution came along, etc. Now the companies wanted people to learn a particular set of things. So now the customer was not like knowledge wasn't for itself. Knowledge was for industry, and so now knowledge had to be branded, packaged, and constructed for the purpose not of itself, but for the purpose of industry. Now, because the world is changing and because companies don't particularly want people that are boxed in and, you know, cogs, because everything's changing every so quickly. So now who's the customer? The customer is the actual person that's coming themselves, which means now that knowledge can be diluted because if it's too much, you, people aren't going to come. I mean, You mean the person that's coming is, so the student, the student is the now customer now? Is the customer, right? Because they have to package it and sell before it. Before, industry was the customer, and before that, there was no customer. Knowledge was just something sought for itself. Okay. So, if you're coming to me, 
uh, as a client, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to make it as easy as possible for you. Get rid of all the resistance, get rid of all the difficulty so that you can buy the product. If that product is knowledge, then instead of me giving it to you in its pure form that's difficult, I'm going to dumb it down. I'm going to ease it. Uh, and that's what we're seeing now. Um, and so you've, you've, you know, some ridiculous degrees out there, David Beckham studies or whatever else. But then also, if you if you compare someone that studied electronics 20 years ago to now, it's not the same curriculum. It's just not. Same thing with maths. Pure mathematics now compared to back then, it's not the same. G, uh, GCSEs or O-levels before and now, it's not the same thing. I mean, back then, in school, you were doing what they're doing now at university because it's being dumbed down to serve, first of all, industry, and then secondly, to serve the the person coming, which is a conflict of interest from the perspective of knowledge. So what, what do we do in this situation? Because we're still, I mean, we're still in a situation where, and, and I agree with you that universities market themselves um, as, you know, people with a degree on average make however many, you know, whatever. Much percent, more, yeah. More, yeah. Um, but as as you said, the, the education level is, is dropping. So how do we kind of compensate for that ourselves? Is every individual remembers what knowledge is for. And from an Islamic perspective, knowledge is something to be attained for itself. Knowledge is to be attained for itself because knowledge makes you more, it gives you the potential to be more powerful. Um, <clears throat> knowledge is not power in and of itself. The application of knowledge is power, which is a lot of people misunderstand. But um, So that, that's that's how we do it. Which is why I would prefer my son didn't go to university, but learned much more than he ever would at university than to go to. Do you understand? And you mean powerful in the sense that they can cause more benefit to humanity? And no, we don't need to. We don't need to uh, left wing the word power. Um, and power, power, whatever power is, power cannot be shared. And if it's shared, it's not power. Um, people of power can cooperate. That's fine. But power cannot be shared. Uh, in my opinion, it cannot be shared. If it's shared, it's not power. You, you just can't find it. In, in the animal kingdom, it's not like that. Throughout history, it's not like that. Either you have power or you don't, or you have some power, or, but you don't take power and share it. It just doesn't work, which is why when you find, for example, oh, we're going to have a power-sharing structure in this country or that country, it's basically the West's way of saying we don't want you to have power. We want you to fight with each other and go around in circles, and, and that's that. Um, that that's, very, that's very interesting implications for... Um for politics and that kind of thing, so um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm being too blunt and simplistic about it, but you're basically advocating uh, dictatorship. No, I'm not advocating dictatorship. But um, is there is it possible not to have dictatorship? Well, I, I would, I would, argue, uh, well, a lot of people do argue that. Uh, I know Asad would be very angry with me saying he's the, he's the other host who's our uh, who's our socialist um, on the on the bench. Um, but uh, but yeah, a lot of people would say democracy and and kind of the the. Uh, more more libertarian leaning people say that you know the smaller government is better and people can have power in it, in and of themselves and yeah I mean ultimately look someone has to dictate democracy is just time dictatorship there's a timer on how how long you can dictate for four years five years ten years whatever but you're dictating at the end of the day and you could play whatever you want to play you're not happy with your cabinet because they're not voting the way you want them you get rid of them you get play dirty you get someone with a book who says that you did this once and if you don't vote for me I'll bring like an expose etc etc someone's always dictating something and in America it's the corporate world that's dictating and this veneer of oh we're all just going to sit here but then one of the things that that veneer does is it get who well who's responsible you know my neighbor just died who's responsible is it the council is it prime minister is it parliament is it the, do you understand so the, yeah, it comes with its own disadvantages as well. That's not to say Shura doesn't exist, but 
to equate shura with democracy is 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 simplistic at best. And okay. I'm not to say that dictatorship is right or wrong, but at the end of the day, if someone if someone gives me my rights, that's all I care about, and that's the way Islam views it. Islam doesn't. You see the difference in the West and the and and the Islamic perspective is. The Islamic perspective is we want to give you your rights. We don't want to give you the potential of having your rights. Whereas here in the West, you have to fight for your rights. No one just gives you them, right? So whether that's through democracy or whether it's through a tyrant, I don't, I don't really care. If I'm not getting my rights, that's the problem. It's not the, the structure around it. Whereas if everyone is getting their rights, yeah, then I don't care whether that's happening through democracy or through a dictator or someone else. The question is, uh, am I being ruled by tyrants? You know whether that's a plural or or singular, or not. I think that's. I mean, it opens up a whole new can of worms, and um, I will only go down this rabbit hole for a bit because I want to bring it back <laughs> to uh, self development. But one of the one of the questions is, it then is um, there's a we had a whole couple of episodes on kind of the notion of home and okay. and where do you get more of your rights in. Um, and, and the argument that a lot of people are here because they feel that um, they feel that they get their rights in mm-hmm. the West in the democratic system more than they do in. Uh, uh, in another system, sure, and that's maybe, why yeah, there's a whole yeah. flip side of we need to bring a. Yeah, but what rights you get and which rights do you not get? That's another thing as well. So here you don't have the right to really have wealth. You're taxed through the nose. You know, even if you're not being taxed and you're living below that threshold, VAT is twenty percent, car fuel tax is seventy five percent. Now, if you're earning good money like yourself and you're you know forty percent and it's even fifty percent above that, etc. <laughs> I don't know where that accusation <laughs> Why is that an accusation? Yeah, the, the only person making good money on this podcast is Abdus Samir because he's, uh, he's, he's claiming off the state, so he's, oh, okay, uh, he's living good. it big. Okay, okay. So, um, you know, you're going to get taxed 40%, and then you're going to pay VAT 20%, and then you're going to pay car fuel tax, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, then there's council tax. Even if you own your own house, you're paying council tax. Yeah. So by the end of the day, you're taxed about 70%. So you could say, yeah, I'm walking away with what I want, but you're not. That's not the reality of it. It's not the reality of it. So whether you're losing this right or that right, and you pr- which right are you prioritizing? I mean, if you wanted to live in Dubai, you'd get almost 100% of your wealth that you earned, but you wouldn't be given other rights. So it just seems to be a case of, you know, which, which rights will I get under which system? But to say point blank that this gives me my rights and that doesn't, that's not true either. Yeah. I, I think that's why people make, people actively make the decision to go across and, you know, um, some people term it hijra, but some people very bluntly don't. They just say, "Look, this is a this is a cash cow in yeah. you know, whatever country yeah, what I'm going that, to, yeah. and that's and and they give me a better deal." Uh, but coming back to kind of the the self development side, mm-hmm. of this is very interesting, and I think I think this is a this is worthy of a whole other episode in itself. Um, so the uh, so you went into Sharia studies and you f- focused on usul al fiqh. Um, uh, how does that kind of um, how does that guide your kind of journey into practice are there things are certain things that you so where do you draw the line in terms of your practice of hypnosis and psychology and things like that uh is there is there a because there you know we can what do you mean by draw the line so so hypnosis comes into very well it gets a bad rap um and i and i guess one of the things would be um everything gets right sharia's got a bad rap uh to get Um, to get an explanation from you of what exactly that involves. So from what, what I'm aware of, it's to, it's to get... Government a, has a bad rep. Yeah. 
Maybe, maybe not about about rap. It just depends who's 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 talking. Yeah, yeah. who's talking. Because because a lot of people when they talk about hypnosis, the only thing they think of is like jinn and possession, and that's it. Yeah, but jinn has got nothing to do with hypnosis, and that's what I'm saying. If you don't know what you're talking about, yeah. Because you know. my understanding of it is that if people have fears that they haven't worked through, hypnosis is an excellent and powerful way to kind of get them to overcome that and not limit themselves. Yes and no. Yes and no. It depends. Look, hypnosis is just a, a tool. It depends who's wielding it. And it depends. There's many factors. There's no magic bullet. Which is why, you know, I, I understood the limits of hypnosis and how it's done. And there's different schools of hypnosis as well. Some are author, you know, quite authoritarian. Um, authoritarian. Some are um, very, very suggestive. So different schools, there's no such thing as like hypnosis is this or hypnosis is that. But my definition of hypnosis is the ability to take someone from one state of mind into another. So if I smile and that changes your day, then that's hypnosis. You understand? Which is sadaqa, as the Prophet described, right? Whereas if I tell you a lie and say to you that if you, you know, if you don't leave the West, then you're going to go to hell and then that makes you go somewhere. I've just hypnotized you into doing something that you wouldn't have done had I not told you that. So the definition of hypnosis itself is very can be very wide or very, very uh, constrained. Uh, and it depends upon your definition. If you think it's just waving a clock in someone's face until they get bored and fall asleep, then, you know, that doesn't give you much power or influence over many people. Um, but, but I need to ask this though. Can, can you do that though? Anyone could do that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're sitting on a train and you, you, you st- or if you're sitting in the, your sofa, you know, and you're staring off into space, you're hypnotized. And then it opens the question of self-hypnosis. Okay, so mm-hmm. if hypnosis is haram because someone else is controlling you, what are you going to say about self-hypnosis? So then now the very factor, the, the, the you know, the illa, that they're claiming that you're losing control, okay, what about self-hypnosis? So self-hypnosis is halal, but normal hypnosis isn't. So therefore it's not hypnosis that's haram, it's who's doing it that's haram. Mm-hmm. Possibly, right? But then if you go to a Freudian psychologist and he gives you information and a slant on things that is very un-Islamic, is that halal because it's not hypnosis? Or is it actually hypnosis? Or is it haram because of a different reason? Or is it halal? Do you understand? These are, these are discussions that have to be made that, um, that are outside most people's areas of, like, of, yeah. of, of, of experience. I think most people will struggle. To, I mean, the way you've defined hypnosis there is kind of a, a I would say maybe a, a bared down version of like a very to the to the bone definition. very practical what, yeah what yeah anything and that's be. the thing because as, a, as someone who studied engineering uh, maths etc i'm not interested in the theoretical pie in the sky ivory tower definition of something i mean someone else could say it is the unification of um different points of attention what the hell does that mean yeah yeah what do i do with that Right, so we need a way to to take that definition and say how do I make that practical and usable, and that's what it's about. So how does how does a kind of a so how does a typical session like what sort of clients do you work with? You said you said in, uh, in the in the start at some point that um, you're very surprised that a lot of Muslims started coming to you and started finding you. Surprised not because of the not because they're Muslims but because I wasn't. Because at the time they started, all the non-Muslims stopped coming. Okay, <laughs> so we're from ninety one, ninety nine percent. Uh, in one ratio to almost eight, you know, 85, 15 so for like, no reason. So white flight happened, basically. So white flight happened, yeah, basically. <laughs> but I don't know why. 
It wasn't like I moved into a different area. It was the same place, same everything. And and what what do what do you kind of, who who do you typically work with? Is it people? Well, I don't work with cases that are very straightforward. And it started like that from the very beginning. I just I was like, look, if someone else can do smoking cessation, go there. I don't need the money or the waste of time or anything like that. If someone else, you you know, you want to lose weight, and there's someone over there that can help you. Go to them. So I dealt with people who either they'd been to at least three therapists before me, or they'd had the problem for at least ten years. Um, and then what I started to find is that the worst of cases, the most severe and difficult of cases, all had usually had something in common, which that they, they'd been through some form of child abuse. Uh, mental, physical, or, or or the full, you know, sexual, um, and that's when I decided. Okay, well, instead of just saying, okay, do you have agoraphobia or do you have severe anxiety or do you have OCD or blah blah blah, just go and say, right, have you suffered from child abuse? And now that, that's what I do mostly. If someone else comes, I you know, I, I can take a decision there and then as to whether or not I work with them. But I found that there isn't actually someone specialized in getting people to overcome child abuse trauma and rekindle intimacy and trust with 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 the world and with themselves firstly and then with with others after that so you will get trauma specialists but again it's from a very pathological perspective so they'll spend five six seven fifteen years trying to understand or getting you to understand your problem but understanding the problem doesn't help you solve it um and in fact it, it actually makes it worse because the more you focus on something, the more you entrench it within your neurology. So, for example, when you get a new car, all of a sudden you see everyone else driving the same car. Yeah. It's not because everyone else is following thaqab and you're, you're the trendsetter. It's just simply because you, your mind now focuses on that one thing that it focuses okay. on. And so, it you, so you see a Passat everywhere you go. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and you'll see that particular model more than the previous models, etc. You're, you're nodding with a smile. So this yeah. is happening. So as, as soon as, yeah, I mean... It's, as soon uh, as, yeah, or even yeah. when you're thinking about it, just yeah. before it happens, all of a sudden, oh, look, everyone else, every, yeah, it's not such a bad decision. Everyone has to have a, a, that, yeah. yeah, right? So um, that's how the mind works, which is why gratitude is very important. Yeah. If you thank me, then I will give you more because just from a... And this isn't the main reason, but it's like... I understand it from this perspective. Um, when you when you when you when you're grateful for what's happening to you, you're going to look at other things that are good, and then that makes you more resourceful, right? That's not secularizing the ayah. That's just saying this is one of the mechanisms that Allah, who created who, you know who created us, and is telling us through this verse, it would make sense with this, with this understanding as well. It's not to say, it's not to say Allah doesn't exist and some wise man made this thing and. You know, is metaphorical for what really happens. No, I'm saying Allah exists, and there is also a practical definition because He created, He created sabab, He created cause and effect. Um, and what does a so you know, people who are coming to you have have very serious issues, and and I know there's a whole kind of. I mean, do you do you work with people who've been to like the NHS before and tried to see? Yeah, good luck with that. Them? Yeah, <laughs> the, the NHS is. Think someone, someone who has a very, very severe case. Um, the issue with that is that they need very tailored, one-on-one uh, help or facilitation. So you don't get that on the NHS because you're working with someone who's everything now is all, all about liability. Mm, okay. Firstly, so it's all box ticking, right? Uh, can I be blamed? Standardized checklist. Right. And, can yeah. I be blamed if this doesn't work? Not. Will I be blamed if it doesn't work? It's, 
kind of be blamed if it doesn't work or even if it does work <laughs> sometimes like if I'm being too maverick oh someone's going to blame me for this or that so it's all about standardized etc etc which is fine if you're teaching someone how to add but if someone's gone through severe trauma they need a very yeah. but what happens is you go to NHS well, if you're doing counselling they have a process they take you through if you're doing CBT they have a process they take you through if you're doing psychotherapy they have a process you take you through do you understand it's not tailored to you whereas alhamdulillah because I've studied more than one thing when someone's speaking to me, I can pull the tool that they require in the sequence that they require as opposed to expect them to fit. fit, fit how, right? does the, how does the liability aspect work for you then? Because you're, because I know with CBT... I don't care about these things. At the end of the day, if someone's coming to me for help, then um, you know I'm not going to do anything that's illegal, but I'm not going to coward away from the fact that they're coming. One of the things they say in counselling is like kind of, Rule number one is don't give don't give advice, and yeah, which is rubbish. The hell's that all about? Firstly, it's impossible. Impossible. There is no way to speak to someone in a neutral fashion at all. If I say to you, right, um, how are you feeling, Thaqib? That accesses parts of your mind that are completely different than if I say to you, how are you, Thaqib? Okay. okay, completely different, completely. One can take you down one route of hypnosis, the other takes you down a different route of hypnosis if hypnosis is about changing the mental state. These are these affect the mind in a different way completely. So even if I don't say anything and just look at you in the eyes, that's going to put you in a different state of mind completely. So there's no way not to influence the person from you. But what happens is that they're assuming that it's unethical to influence. But then why is this person paying you? Why can't they speak to the mirror? Why can't they speak to a computer program? You know, we, 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 can, we can automate that very easily. There's no need for that. Um, and so when I find that something can be automated, I'll make a website and that's it. You can just go through that and, you know, Bob's your uncle. But if you need something because you've been through severe trauma or, you know, it requires a little bit more understanding and, and, and complexity, then the standardization is, is, is actually unethical. Unethical. Do you think that standardization happens naturally when something becomes more mainstream and it's required by kind of such a large number of people? Potentially, yeah. I mean, systemically, yeah, that might be the case. But um, it's also whenever a governing body comes into place. So, you know, we have the governing body of hypnosis, right? For example, if that comes up, there's about five or six. You can't really standardize that. The governing body of communication you can't really standardize that, but what the, you know, when when you have a body, when you have an institution or an organization, that now becomes an entity in and of itself, which means that it needs to exist, it needs to insert, influence, it needs to exert control, it needs to be liked, it needs to you know survive within the ecosystem. So now it comes up with stuff and it starts making things bureaucratic for its own existence. There'd be no point of having an organization if it didn't exert control. Mm. Um, so that's part of it. That's part of it. Someone wants a bit of control. It's a race to whoever sets the organization up in the first place. Then someone else comes along. They try and standardize things. And basically, it's just like with politics. You're trying to take away yeah. the gun from someone the, else the, so you can the have the it. The aim is the aim is. Well, I mean, the aim is noble in that they want to give consumer protection, which I think in a hypnosis industry where you're working with vulnerable people already. Fine, fine, yeah. Um, there's yeah. A, there's a big. Fear the thing is, there's a difference between. You know, don't touch your don't touch your client in a you know in, 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 in an inappropriate way, and between take them through a process that you can't 
get out of. I mean, as an engineer, if I, if I, if I tied you down to that, I said, you have to go through this, then this, then this, then this, then this. It doesn't matter what happens thereafter. Google comes along and says, we want something new. And it, nope, sorry, we're tied to this process. Well, what's going to happen? I, I, think, I think that's one of the problems with a lot of big corporates now. Right. Uh, and which is why they struggle to innovate and they become right. kind of, you know. Which is why companies like Google and Amazon and Apple, etc., they, they structure against it. Yeah. Right. They don't structure for it because they know that that's the way it's supposed to be Everything but they structure against it yeah. right? it's stacked to be that way so they structure against it and that's very wise and that's something that's happened you know maybe from studying biology from studying other other things where okay well, how does something grow without without falling and you know without decomposing after a while um so yeah so what does um so when when you do a session and you're what what, what exactly does it does it look like on a day-to-day so someone comes to you uh no mostly it's over the phone okay uh, or skype i've got international um people that i work with as well so it's just a case of what's the problem and then trying to understand how they're doing it so what what's happening in their brain and in their physiology to create those results once i get that then it's a case of just changing it which isn't too hard um and then it's a case of programming something else new. That, that's the overview. Not really a step, but more of a direction. That's a very software engineer way yeah, of Yeah, well, well the, the, the thing about psychology is when people from electronics and software engineering came into it, it really upped the game. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, what I, that's why, why I was very eager to start with this whole conversation saying we need to be polymaths. Yeah. Well, I guess it's very interesting that you, I mean, you did your degree at the age of 18, probably, well, I would assume not knowing at all which direction no, no, you were no, going to no. go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and yet, um, it, it turned out to be such a a very valuable part of your education going forward. That you Sure. Did. And now when I speak to, like, you know, if I do consultancy, you know, and I speak to a company that does technology or something else, I'll bring other elements outside of their of their of their horizon beyond their horizon because there are other things from the softer human sciences sides whether it's from sharia for example i say no we have you thought about doing this and it literally has come from for example hudud mm-hmm. right but by understanding how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, limits us with the hudud because hudud means like uh, red lines yeah. uh, borders right so these are things you do not step across mm-hmm. uh, by understanding how that's happened and then uh, implementing that on an organization or on the way that uh, a new technology is branded, et cetera, et cetera. You get, you get a lot of bang for your buck, basically. Um, what do you kind of, um, what do you view? So you said you have a clientele that's well, predominantly Muslim still? Oh, now, it's, now, now, I'm, now I'm out there for everyone. Like okay. I'm advertising for everyone, yeah. Um, and you've got kind of an international clientele. What do you think are some of the major issues that, Muslims are facing because you hinted at kind of a post-colonial mindset uh-huh, that some uh-huh. people are so trapped with. But what what other stuff do you do you think is most common? And this this was a bit of a neck curl, so you're this, gonna, yeah. <laughs> going into a boxing match. <laughs> um, I think what what happens a lot is that whether it's Muslims or non-Muslims, but specifically because you're asking about Muslims, we don't know. We've forgotten the function of why we do things we are more interested in the latest we're more interested in fitting in the trend 
than we are with actually doing something for its own sake, with its own function. And those two things need to be, you know, so not just as it, it's not just the case of that something will not be accepted if you don't follow the way of the, the Sharia and the, you know, the, the outcomes of Sharia. But now, in order to build yourself and to build, you have to say, okay, well, why am I doing this actually? Do, do you understand? So, for example, people will go to uni, right? Um, why are you going to uni? It's because I want a job. Why do you want a job? Like, who the hell told you that's a good idea in the first place? Yeah, to have a job. Why? Why do you think that's a good idea? People don't think. It's not to say it's a bad idea, but I'm just asking. Why do you think that's a good idea? So, but the ultimate thing is that it. it well, if if ultimately you want to have a comfortable life and live uh, and you know have money. Okay, fine. So now you want a comfortable life. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But once you realize that's your function, that's yeah. where you're going towards. You can now back step and say, well, no, actually, I'll do it this way or I'll do it that way. But if you don't realize that and you think that going to uni is the goal as yeah. opposed to the main means or the mechanism to attain the goal, then that's it, you're done. And so it's the same thing here with, with regards to Muslims is that we, you know, I, I need to get married. That's it, I'm 18, I need to get married now. Yeah. What, like, what, what are you talking about? Like, what's your function? Where, where are you going? What's your goal really? Bottom line. I need to have kids. Why do you need to have kids? Oh, I want to attend a Muslim parenting event. Yeah, but why do you even want to have, pa- like, why do you want to be a parent? Where's the goal? Like, what is it? Oh, I just want to have three kids. Why do you want to have three kids? Like, it's just so random. I want to have five. Why? Why? I want my kids to go to um, a grammar school or a private school or whatever. Why? Do you, do you understand? So people are, it's, it's like, we're more, our function has to become has become that we follow the path followed. Do you understand? I think in one of Gladwell's books, um, he was talking about how people will just follow. You just give people real two buildings and let them get travel how they wish, and then they'll walk through it, and suddenly there'll be a path that's through the grass. You know, the grass will start to, and then everyone it. will follow that, and then everyone will follow. And that's what the function of, of most people is these days, is they want to follow the path. They're not thinking, where am I going? They're just thinking, I want to follow the path. Is it a bit of least resistance as well? So the path is, is a little, there, yeah, so you yeah, can of course, just chill of course. and coast. And Allah life. talks about this in the Quran. Every single messenger that was sent, one of the things they're always told is, this is not how we found our parents. This is not the path we found our parents on. Hmm. As well as, they give you the exact opposite, and they say, oh, these are just uh, myths from the old people. You just told me you're following your parents. So, so now your parents follow their parents and they follow their parents all the way, you know, to the nth degree. So what's the problem? So those two things are mutually exclusive. How can you say them both at the same time? But they do because ultimately they just want to follow the path of least, least resistance. And what they really mean is right now this is not what I'm used to. So I don't want to do it. But that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the bottom line. That's, that's what's happening. A lot of people, you know, want to send their kids to school. Why? That's just what's done. By whom is that? Do you understand? And then don't complain to me then when you get whatever happens because you send your kid to that school as a result, whether they're arrogant or whether they're taught this or taught that or they're going to have gender issues or whatever else. These things, do you understand? That comes thereafter. Um, so you got to ask yourself, where am I going and why? And one of the things I always find, I mean, I do a program um, called Unshackle. Yes. It's a six, seven-day program. One of the things that so many people have said, and these are successful people, right? Uh, programmers, doctors, lawyers, etc. 
They all say by the end of the program, I just realized I don't have my own goals. Imagine a 35-year-old telling you I've been living my life on someone else's goals. And they're 35. I mean, that's halfway through life. You know, not, not to say that they're going to die at 70, but that's half of their working health. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. downhill after 50-ish, roughly, right? So they're past the 25 mark. <laughs> you understand? And they're following someone else's goals up until then. Um, one guy was about to marry his cousin. He didn't even like her. She didn't even like him. It's like, why are you doing this? Oh, because it's a done thing, right? And she had someone who she wanted to marry, and he had someone that he wanted to marry, and they both knew, and they were both, it was just like, what, 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 what is this? They're just careening towards a car crash later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both knew that both didn't want, and both had someone else. <laughs> it was like, I didn't want to laugh or cry. It was the, the funniest thing. And then we just sat down, we spoke for 10, 15 minutes. He realized that's not actually what he wants. When I spoke to his dad, his dad was more than happy to say no. Because his dad didn't want it either. So it's just that they never had a conversation. Yeah. And her mom, his dad and her mom were brother and sister, right? She didn't want it either. But it was like, oh, I don't want to upset anyone. Why I don't want to? And it's just like, it's just a done thing. Now, if you can take that and imagine that people are doing that with their wealth, with their time, with their what they eat, everything. And so for me, personal development is about and I see a lot of people have done this with personal development. Oh, what should I do next? Oh, Tony Robbins is doing this and that. Go to a Tony Robbins event, spend thousands of pounds, feel happy for four days, and then when the buzz is gone, ask yourself why you spent that money. Yeah, There's no way you're going to learn anything when you're one of 5,000 people mm-hmm. and one person speaking to you. He's going to inspire you maybe, but there's no way he's going to change you. He's going to change that one or two people that, he, you know, that he'll take up on stage, but he's not going to change you. And they, you know, he's going to work with them for what, 15 minutes? How much change is, you know, he might get rid of one phobia, but he's not really going to alter the very course of their life. You do understand? So even personal development is not about personal development anymore. It's just about, let me close my eyes, Where right, lead me, where do you want me to go? Yeah. So that's what I would say is that the Muslims need to wake up and they need to ask themselves, where, am, where are we going? Who said this is good? Who said this is bad? Why is this even on my radar? I think one of the things about I guess you'll. It's it's kind of really going back to it about why why are you even Muslim? And most people haven't deeply questioned themselves on that. And sure, actually, and, and you know, people join uh, movements or they join parties or they join groups, um, and the the people within the group themselves even forgot why they were founded. Yeah, I mean, there's some people within, uh, you know elements within the Islamic movement who don't want change, right? Who don't want change. Um, how is that possible? Anymore? It's not called the Islamic still, it's called the Islamic movement. There's got to be change. If there's not, then why are, we, why are we wasting our time? And we are wasting our time if there is no change. Because at the end of the day, especially if you're living in the West and you're taking your kids to school, you've got very limited time in the evenings and in the weekends to spend time on unwash or wash the brains of your kids from yeah. the filth that's been put in there. If you're going to spend half of that time in a meeting and you're not going to change anything, you've just wasted your time and you've taken something from your children that is the right upon you without without need and without cause. So actually now you're moving backwards. You're not just st- standing still. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting point. I wanted to also ask about the Unshackled program a little bit. Okay. Um, cause I, uh, I've been signed up to your emails for some time, 
um, and uh, and kind of looking at the especially the testimonials. So a lot of people say that it's a very enriching or life changing experience, etc. But um, you go off to a nice destination. Um, I believe Morocco mostly. Yeah, mostly Fez. Uh, and then what what exactly does it involve? What is it about? So. I have learning objectives. So I want people to learn how their brain works, how to influence others, how to overcome phobias, how to change the way you feel, etc., etc. There's a, you know, I want you to learn, for example, how to free up your hips, how to use gravity instead of work against it, um, how to let go of your emotions and your whims and your desires, um, and how to free up your own energy and unblock other people's energy as well. So those are the learning objectives. How I teach them differs from one program to another. No two unshackles are ever the same because if I get seven people in front of me with different life experiences, I have to use their life experiences to mold them. Uh, you know, So it's different. The stories I tell, the experiences, the exercises, everything's different. But, I haven't, but basically, it's about unshackling them, removing that cap, and then secondly, uh, teaching them the fundamentals of how to influence others. Uh, and then what sort of outcomes do you get out of it? So is it that these people move ahead in work or... Or whatever they want. Some people you know, some people change career. Some people stop marrying the woman they don't want to marry and f- marry the one that they do. Um, others become much better parents. One woman came, she was spending four hours a night trying to put her kids to sleep. <laughs> wow. uh, that went down to 20 minutes. Um, and she works she's full time you know and, and this is through understanding the psychology of children and this that is kind of no 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 this is just her coming in with her own uh, deeply held beliefs and just challenging those and changing them so that you know falling asleep man it's going to take four hours if you take four hours to put someone to sleep you're actually not putting them to sleep you're standing in their way if I laid down if anyone laid down in bed and didn't go to sleep for four hours there's something going on there yeah. and if you're claiming that you're trying to put them to sleep then you're the problem that's um that's quite interesting. Um, how many people go to an unshackle? Usually? Oh, m- no more than ten, eleven. And and I why Fez? Cut, cut uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, the Riyadh there is spectacular. I okay. used to live in Birmingham here in the Mac Center, um, which is cheaper for me, easier for me. Don't have to travel, etc. But a lot of people come from America. People come from Dubai. People come from London. When they come here, they're paying another fifty pound a day. So I just thought I'll pay the expense of accommodation. Uh, and it's in a really beautiful place and in a beautiful uh, Riyadh and they can make we start after Fajr and we finish for about four and then they have the rest of the day as a holiday and chill out etc so it's two or three birds of one stone yeah that's quite that's quite interesting um, so that's something that I think people can what I've, what I've always found is it's very it's a very interesting experience but how do you know if you if you want it or need it There's how I know, and there's how other people know. How other people so, know? So if I'm if I'm looking I at the no website, idea. how do I know if <laughs> how do I know if unshackle is for me, or or if 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 I should even pursue this type of? Uh, I don't know. Um, because one of the things you mentioned about most of your clients who come and and speak to you directly, they're usually people who've tried therapists and have some history. Oh no, no, the people that come to unshackle aren't coming just to yeah, fix because they seem therapy. more like normal people. No, yeah. no, yeah, it's just the case. I wouldn't say normal, but yeah, no one's normal. Yeah. Um, look, bottom line is. If you want something different, that's it. I don't know anyone who doesn't want anything different. If you want something different and you're realistic, a lot of people love to wish, you know, um, 
someone suffered from child abuse for 40 years and it's like, okay, it's going to cost you this much. Oh, that's too much. What do you mean it's too much? You're unemployed. How long are you going to remain unemployed for? Or you are employed, but you're only working part-time because you can't handle the stress because of all your issues. So actually it's costing you 15 grand a year. You tell me you can't afford it. What you're telling me is you're an idiot who can't make good decisions. It's not about that. So if you're going to be realistic and you want to change, then whatever path you follow, even if you make a mistake, but you're going to learn from that mistake, there's nothing you can do that's, you know. Failure is only when you stop trying, right? But would I say the two years that I spent in in in, in uh, electronic software engineering were a failure? No, because they, they're, they're, I didn't stop trying. It's knowledge that I learned and I applied it. And actually, I left engineering because I didn't. If I had if I had uh, completed the degree, I would have been expected to do one year, right? And then one, and then I get comfortable, and then it'd just be hard. So you need to stay hungry from one perspective. That's why I did that. So it's you know I read something interesting here about Steve Jobs. He would keep the room empty. And the reason why he would do that is so that his mind would be starved of distraction. As in the room he worked in? or Yeah, his whole house. He would keep oh, it empty. Yeah, he only had a mattress right. and he had a yeah, mansion like and right. he had like right. furniture right. in one room. Exactly, exactly. You keep it empty because you want to starve your mind because you know that your mind has a limited amount of focus. So that's a very, very extreme example, um, but it's very powerful. I saw a picture of the Saudi king going to Japan, <laughs> sitting in a huge room with just two chairs in it. Yeah, That's very beautiful. As opposed to you go to Saudi, the friggin' the 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 curtains are gold. Yeah, yeah. and and it's very I guess it's it's normal in our culture to have very uh, yeah. over the top fit and things in whatever you can do. Yeah. But the thing is, look, you will fit things in, but it just depends about what things. So you got to decide and you got to strategize. What will I keep empty and what will I keep full? And that's the thing. And when I went to Istanbul the very first time, you know the the the, the buildings are magnificent, the mosques are magnificent, but it, you know it. it something kept resounding in my mind which was they built they really invested in those mosques but they didn't invest in the people that would go to the mosque and that's the exact opposite of what the prophet did the prophet's mosque is the exact opposite of that it's very 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 simple because the more you invest on the outside the less you invest on the inside because you can't do both you can't do both Um, and and that's the bottom line so for me if you're asking me how do I know um, I, I, I go to programs that cost nine, ten, fifteen thousand pounds. That's not to say I have fifteen thousand pounds lying around spare cash. I'll call people up and say, "Can I borrow this? Can I borrow that?" But for me, it, it, the question is, if that just gives me an edge, I'll make that money back. It's no problem. Do you know what I mean? Or I'll work to pay it back or whatever. But I'm not that interested in 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 the other things. That, that, that do you understand? It's about what you focus on, what you keep empty, and what you keep full. Yeah, that, I mean, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Point on minimalism is if, if I knew that before about this d- expensive dining table, I would have saved a fortune. <laughs> um, although, of course, it has a practical purpose. But anyways, this has been very interesting. Um, your website is uh, ipersonalenrichment.com. Yes. Uh, and you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, 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 all that stuff, yeah. Okay, so people can reach out to Abdurrahman Musa on that. Uh, we'll put uh, a link to the, the website in the show notes as well. Uh, you can catch our podcast, the Middle West Podcast, on uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, and on YouTube as well. Um, and uh, we'll see you in another couple of weeks. Well, we'll we'll interact with you uh, through an audio <laughs> platform that is not visual uh, in another two weeks, inshallah. But Jazakallah Khair for coming. Really, really appreciate it. it. Um, thank you very much to the listeners. Give us five out of five star if you like us. If you don't like us, don't give us a rating yet. Wait till you do. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.